The Lord be with you and also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We welcome all to this Advent Sunday service of worship. Join us daily beginning at dawn this morning with Advent devotions. Join us following worship this morning for wreath making downstairs in the Marsh Room. Let us worship God in word and song, in singing and silence, in spirit and truth. For this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As able, please stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways, reclothe us in our rightful mind, in purer lives thy service find, in deeper reverence praise. Beloved, in this our moment of confession, as the choir guides us, we remember the encouragement of scripture, pray at all times in the spirit, with prayer and supplication, supplication for all the saints. In supplication for all, we confess our sin and recognize our need for contrition, confession, and lament, awaiting the peace and pardon of Almighty God, trusting in the peace and pardon of God. Let us pray. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A reading from a lesson from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. 
The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us the ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not reveling in in drunkenness, not debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively Psalm 122 with the antiphon. when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. To the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For there the thrones for judgment were set up, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. siblings in Christ, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of the hymn.
From the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. The gist of today's gospel is clear enough. We cannot see or know the future. So we ought to live ever on the qui vive, watchful. Health there is to be sure and succor in a full acceptance and recognition of such a humble epistemology and such a rigorous ethic. Let us admit to the bone of our cloud of unknowing about the days and hours to come. Let us live every day and every hour of every day as if it were our last. Song and scripture, sermon and prayer, they will guide us along this very path come Sunday morning, come this very Sunday morning. What is less clear is the meaning of the coming of the Son of Man. What is the nature of his coming? Who is the person so named? What difference, existential difference, everlasting difference does any of this make? What did Jesus actually say here? On what score did the primitive Christian community remember and rehearse his teaching? Did Matthew have a dog in this fight? And how has the church, age to age, interpreted the passage? We shall pose these four questions to verses 36 to 44 in the 24th chapter of the Gospel bearing the name of Matthew, and then apply the verses to ourselves. Jesus. Jesus may have used this phrase, though most judge that it is a later church appellation. It may have been both. This phrase coming out of Daniel chapter 7, Did Jesus hear this read and hold it in memory? And the stock Jewish apocalyptic of Jesus' day was as much a part of his environment as the sandals on his feet, the donkey which he rode, the Aramaic which he spoke, the Palestinian countryside which he loved, and the end of time which he expected in the contemporary generation. Did he understand himself to be that figure? We cannot see and we cannot say, though I think it is unlikely. That is, Jesus used the phrase most probably, but not of himself most probably. It is Mark and the author of Enoch who have given us the Son of Man in its full sense. And it is Matthew alone among the gospel writers who uses the coming in a technical sense. The soprano voice of Jesus is far lighter in the gospel choruses than we would expect or than we would like. Church. Mark, Luke, and Matthew carry forward these standard end-of-the-world predictions. Our lectionary clips out the mistaken acclamation of 2434, just two verses ahead of our reading, but we should hear it. Truly, I tell you, This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Like the waiting figures in the glass menagerie, the early church has hung on to these blown glass elements while awaiting a never-returning person like that telephone operator who had fallen in love with long distances. They preserve the menagerie in fine glass of hopes deferred that make the heart sick. That generation and 70 others have passed away before any of this has taken place. And we do not expect, literally expect, these portents any longer, nor should we. They are part of the apocalyptic language and imagery, 
which was the mother of the New Testament and all Christian theology since, a beloved mother long dead. The Son of Man was the favorite hope child of that mother. A long, low, alto area, this. Yet we should and do hear these apocalyptic passages. They are a part of our shared family history. Matthew. To his credit and to our benefit, Matthew makes his editorial redactorial moves to accommodate what he has taken from Mark 13. The point of apocalyptic eschatology is ethical persuasion here and in the sibling synoptic passages. Watch, be ready, live with your teeth set, ready and steady, ready and steady. Let the servants, the leaders of Matthew's day, be found faithful. After 37 excoriating verses directed against the Pharisees in chapter 23, whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful but within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness, the hard truth about religion at our worst. And after 43 further verses in chapter 24 of standard end time language, Matthew pulls up. He stands and he's, he delivers his sermon, you must be ready, steady and ready, steady and ready. The figure of the future is coming at an hour you do not expect. Hail the Matthew tenor voice, tradition. Immediately the church scrambled to reinvent and reinterpret, basso profundo, one example found early in the passage will suffice. Of that day, no one knows, not even the sun, except that some texts take out even the sun in deference to Jesus' later and higher person. It is finally, and except for occasional oddball readings, like that of the Montanists in the second century and the fundamentalists in the 21st, it is the church's view that apocalyptic language and imagery convey the future as unknowable and the present as unrepeatable. The future as unknowable and the present as unrepeatable. To sum up, as soon here at Advent 1, the edge of the church's new year, as we reach out to grasp the future, it has already slipped past us already flying down the road to the rear into the past. The present itself is no better because its portions of past and future are tangled permanently together. We do have the past, neither dead nor past, or do we? Memory and memoir spill into each other with the greatest of ease. One agnostic admitted that music performed was his closest approximation of God, the presence of God, the, the proof of God. Gabby Gifford showed her history of healing this past week, crowned in music, music that resurrects memory and empowers speech. Somehow she persevered. And in a week with six dead in a Walmart in Virginia, five in a gay nightclub in Colorado, four on campus in Idaho, and three on a team bus in Virginia, all deaths far more preventable 
than we have yet found the national will to make them. We think on those so maimed and those so lost. We need gospel. We need music to carry us, to carry us toward the true and the good and the beautiful, and to keep us steady and ready, waiting for an opening in history, a moment when something can be voted, passed, done. Music can carry our deep memory, including in worship. The ordered public worship of Almighty God on the Lord's Day is not a matter of indifference. It carries the models of saving intervening words and soulful intervening notes that may just see somebody through, that may just see you through. We shall listen in a moment to a beautiful anthem with rapt attention. One Christian, it may have been you or she or him, sensed grace and grace and grace in the grace of worship unlike any other, reminding every moment is a veritable mystery. Word is a veritable mystery. Music is a veritable mystery. And so next week, we shall hear my body and my blood, these veritable mysteries, so named sacramentum mystery to this day. How shall we respond? Sleepers, awake. There is not an infinite amount of unforeseen future in which to come awake and to become alive. There does come a time when it is too late, allowing the valence of it to be as broad as the ocean and as wide as life. You do not have forever to invest yourself in the deep rivers of Holy Scripture, whatever they may be for you. It takes time to allow the holy to make you whole. So begin. You do not have forever to seek in the back roads of some tradition, whatever it may be for you, the corresponding hearts and minds, which and who will give you back your own most self. It takes time to uncover others who have had the same quirky interests and fears you do. So begin. You do not have forever to sift and think through what you think about what lasts and matters and counts and works. Honestly, who could complain about young people seeking careers, jobs, employment, work? Do so. But work alone will not make you human, nor allow you to become a real human being. Life is about vocation and avocation, not merely about employment and unemployment. You are being sold a bill of goods here. Be watchful. It takes time to self-interpret that deceptively crushing verse. Let your light so shine before others. Begin. You do not have forever to experience presence. And it is presence, spirit, good for which we long, for which, nay, for whom, 
we are made. It takes time to find authentic habits of being. What makes the heart sing, the soul pray, the spirit preach? Your heart, not someone else's. Your soul, not someone else's. Your spirit, not someone else's. Begin. For you must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. For example, how do you deal with hurt that comes from a person you deeply love, a a relationship you truly enjoy, an institution you firmly affirm, or a friendship you lastingly cherish? Was yours a contentious Thanksgiving feast? It is one thing to think about pain, permanent or passing, that comes in collision with others whom we do not know well or care for. These traffic accidents are perhaps to be expected in the rush hours of relational experience. When we do not know one another or not well, we can miss cues and generate miscues that those more familiar would avoid. Not knowing you, I did not know. I would never have expected that you are an avid Yankees fan. And if I had, I would never have said what I did directly about the Yankees. Well, probably I wouldn't. But what about the church you deeply love when disappointment comes from the pulpit? What about that lifetime friend who says something unpleasant and hurtful? What about that employer whom you revere and admire and to whom you give both creativity and loyalty? And what about that community group whose organizational needs you have selflessly met that then makes a statement or takes a decision that causes you pain? Or what about the country you love when its voice, its choice, deeply disappoint? In short, what happens when those you love hurt you? How do you deal with that? You must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Perhaps you will erupt in the moment and lash out in reaction without any due process of reflection because the moment needs it and you have or feel you have no choice. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Be angry, but do not let the sun come down on your anger. Yet this may cause more problems than it solves, but you may have had no choice. Or You may sense that you just want to put some distance between yourself and your source of pain, institutional, relational, or personal. A little time, a little distance, a little pause, a little absence. Thence a cooling off, it may be, not a squaring off. In some measure, that may suit you and the challenge. You did not start it. You do not need to take responsibility for it. Shake the dust from your feet. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. You see how tough it can be, even when you know the Bible, to pick out the right verse for the right moment. So the trouble is still there, though it may just dissipate on its own. No, not all battles have to be fought. Or maybe you want to just listen, you know, like the animals do. They just curl up and become a log or part of the scenery. Let life go along and let the conversation play out. You do not need to oppose. You do not need to repose. You can just pose in silence. You can offer the silent treatment, present but quiet. This could work, though there is a quality of falsehood about it. 
It may depend on just how substantial the fender bender was, how hurtful the collision, how extreme the traffic accident. Silence alone has limits to its beneficence. Still, as the man said, I would rather remain silent and be thought a fool than to open my mouth and remove all doubt. Sometimes it is the better just to keep your own counsel. You must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. On this, the first Sunday of Advent, we are reminded. We have, though, at least one other option. We are approaching the season of Advent, are we not? We are in it. So, wait upon the Lord. That is, you might think through whatever happened, that incident, personal or relational, both putting the best and worst lights upon it. You might then pray about it. You might then hold it in prayerful thought. You might then think out a couple of sentences that you could caringly use should the institution, relationship, or person provide an opening for that. And then you would have to hurry up and wait, wait for that moment. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then should that moment come, you could say, you know, I've had that interchange in mind since it happened. Honestly, for whatever reason, it did so much hurt. But given the love, joy, happiness, meaning, and help you give me over so much time, it is just one brief solar eclipse that comes once a decade when all else is sunshine. And thanks for mentioning it. Call it an Advent gospel, an Advent admonition, for you must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect.
may be seated. O come, all ye faithful, come, ye thankful people, come, come, ye disconsolate, come, let us adore him. The beckoning words of these familiar hymns serve as our invitation to prayer. You are welcome to follow your tradition and stand, sit, or kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. Holy God, our refuge and strength, we give you all praise and glory for you are our ever-present help in times of trouble. We bow before you troubled by the violence that continues to erupt as people go about their normal routines. We are troubled by wars raged by nations against nations and by nations against their own citizens. We are troubled by the public discourse National, natural and human-made disasters, loss of loved ones and relationships, the state of our physical, mental, and spiritual health, and many other things that we bring to you in prayer. God, our peace, we pray for your presence. And yet, we are thankful today. For though we are troubled, you are our ever-present help giving us the strength and endurance to deal with the difficulties in our lives. You are our gracious God. You gave us the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and through him we know that salvation and forgiveness of sins are possible. Though we know this, help us to not become complacent. During this season of preparation and anticipation, help us to renew our efforts to turn our focus away from things of this world, clothing ourselves in Christ so that we are ready for his return. God, our teacher, instruct us in your ways. Help us to keep awake, to study and understand your words so that we walk in your light. God, our creator, help us to recognize that though we may be different, we are all your children. Help us to keep awake, to use our diverse talents and perspectives to preserve your creation and to acknowledge and help those in need. God, our purifier, cleanse our mouths. Help us to keep awake, to use our tongues not only to praise you, 
but to raise each other up with words of encouragement, thanksgiving, forgiveness, and love. God, our restorer, created us a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Help us to keep awake to approach others with humility, gentleness, patience, understanding, and peacefulness. Our hope is in you, God, our Savior. We trust that you will abide with us if we call upon you. We pray for your comfort, for we are living in anguish. We pray for your guidance, for we need to make decisions and we're not sure what to do. We pray for your forgiveness, for we have sinned against you and each other. God, our healer, we humbly ask that you heal our afflictions of anxiety, indecisiveness, and sinfulness. We reflect on your graciousness, your mercy, and all the things you have done for us. Thank you, God, our love, for the abundance of your steadfast love. We call on you, God, our sustainer, to help us to keep awake, aware, and ready. Give ear to us and hear our prayers, for we offer them in the name of the one who is coming at an unexpected hour. While we wait for Christ's return, let us pray together as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us with gladness bring before the Lord the first of the fruit of the everything God has given us.
God of our future, whose compassion is unlimited, all that we have is yours, and to you we shall render account for all you have given us. As we offer you these gifts we enjoy from your bounty, grant that we may live well, love generously, and seek first your kingdom on earth as in heaven, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.